If you have a Bible with you, or if you have a Bible app, go ahead and get those out, open them up, and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's in the New Testament. It's on the right side of your Bible. Now, last week, in conclusion, at the end of the service, we made available to everybody these high-end, high-quality, highly prized uh, bookmarks on love. And uh, on these, it has written out for our easy access, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 through 8 from the Amplified Classic Bible, all right? So we can, I, what I did is I challenged you all to read this every day for at least the rest of this month and to put it in a good place, you know, in your Bible or your bathroom or office or your car or wherever you can access it and read it frequently. And uh, I've been encouraging my wife to read this multiple times a day, <laughs> and it has already really improved our, our marriage. Wow. <laughs> Not really. Really, I need to read it more than she does. Uh, if you didn't get one of these and you would like one, our ushers are in the aisle and they have extra today. Lift up your hand in the air and they'll, they'll get you one of those and, and you can have one uh, for yourself or for someone that you know that really needs it. You can stick that in their Christmas gift. Just thinking of you. <laughs> Obviously, the focus of all this really is for all of us to uh, work on ourselves in regards to yielding to the love of God. And if, if we will live in His love, I tell you all of our relationships, friendships, work relationships, and of course marriages and family, and it'll all just really uh, be uh, so much better off. The love of God really does work every single in every single type of situation. And so use those, read that with me the rest of the month, at least do what you want from there. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, did you find that? I want you to notice with me verse 13. Verse 13, it says, and now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. And so we've been in this series the last uh, few weeks called Love Life. And, and when I note, uh, notice verses like this that use the language, the greatest of these, it gets my attention, okay? Uh, whenever I see the greatest, because, especially since I understand a little bit about faith and hope and how faith has saved me and, I'm, uh, you know, and, and how uh, hope makes me live for tomorrow, amen. But the greatest of these is love. That's a big deal. And we need to wrap our minds around it. We need to get a hold of it. Let it be priority in our understanding that we know love. Because how many know if you don't know love, you don't know God? Because God is love. And, uh, and so we need to understand the love of God. 1 Peter 4.8 reads, And above all things have fervent love. Put that on the screen for us. Have fervent love for one another for love will cover a multitude of sins. But notice again that phrase, above all things. So what's important to you? Well, this is more important. What subject are you an expert on? 
you might want to include this in the list and not only that, put it at the top of the list. Understand that this is above all things that we should have fervent love for one another. And so what we've been doing is endeavoring to explain, expound upon, uh, illustrate what the true love of God is. Uh, like we've said before, our, our New Testament was translated from the Greek language, and the word, the Greek word that we get this English word love from, at least in this passage, and so a bunch of others, but not all, but this one is the word uh, agape, okay, A-G-A-P-E, or what looks like says agape, okay, and, and, and that's a special kind of love, by the way. It's not human in origin. It's not selfishly motivated. It is what we could say the God kind of love, just like we, we talk about the God kind of faith and the God kind of life. This is the God kind of love. It is absolutely beyond rationale at, point, at times, but it is amazing, and it's how He loves us, and it's how we're to love one another. It's agape love. So we, we want to uh, continue to expound upon it, to illustrate it, and, and, and just uh, give place for the Holy Spirit to reveal to us what God's love really looks like, how He loves us, and how we're to love one another. Because if we'll operate in that, I tell you, we've, we've really um, gone down the road a long ways. You, you, re, you remember, uh, this Bible says that this love is the fulfillment of the law. You know, if you're familiar with the first, first part of the book, the, you know, a large por portion of that is called the law, the law of Moses. That's where the Ten Commandments are and hundreds of other promises, or not promises, but commandments. And, uh, and then Jesus came along and said, listen, if you will love one another, you have fulfilled the law. I mean, you've taken, you, you've done everything if you'll simply love. That's powerful. But you can see how that makes sense. If I love you, I'm not going to kill you. If I love you, I'm not going to lie about you. If I love you, I'm not going to commit adultery with you or, you know, or against someone I love. If you, love covers everything. So if we could really... Uh, get this nailed down, we're, we're laughing. We're, we're doing what's not only required of us, but we're doing what works. Praise God. And so skip down to the four, fourth verse there in 1 Corinthians 13, or skip up because we started in verse 13. It says, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not behave rudely does not seek its own, is not provoked. We've discussed many of these, uh, of these elements already, and it helps to go very slowly with them so we can uh, really understand what they mean. Uh, but even when, you, you know, when we read that love is not rude, how many think uh, in our day and age in our society, many people lack manners? Where it used to be more cultural and say, well, that's not love. That doesn't have anything to do with love. It totally has everything to do with love. You know, people who are filled with the love of God ought to be using words like please and thank you. Why? It's manners. It's treating someone else in a proper way. Uh, etiquette is not just a, um, you know, something for a select few and, well, you know, I don't really care what people think and I come rolling in, unaware, unconcerned about etiquette and what people expect. I just want to be me. Well, that's very selfish. I should be mindful of what, you know, you want. You know, some people have those houses where you can't wear shoes. 
Have you ever been to that house? Well, if I come to your house and, that, and you live in one of those no-shoe houses, I'm taking off my shoes, I guess. You can wear your shoes at my house, but, uh, you know, why? Well, because, because that's your house. If I'm going to be there, if I, you know, I'm just going to respect your rules. Okay, well, there's no scripture on that. Actually, there is about holy ground, I guess. Take your, and maybe you consider your ground holy. I don't know. But, but uh, I think it's, it's, it's important to teach our children to be respectful and, and use manners. You know, have you ever talked to a, a young child and, and you're kind of, you know, someone else's child, you're saying hi and, and, and they just ignore you? As an adult, how many know that's rude for parents to allow their kids to ignore other adults? They should respond to them when they say hello to them. And so, you see, we're teaching love when, we're, when we teach these things. Have you ever had, a, had, a, had a, a, an event or a wedding or something where you sent out invitations and you put at the bottom RSVP? What are you saying? Tell me if you're coming in French. <laughs> and, you, and you sent them out to uh, 100 people and, and, and 50 people ignored it. What is that? That's rude. That's rude because you're trying to prepare food for them and and different things like that. It's rude. What kind of people ought we be? Mannerly people. We're kind and we're, we're gracious and we're respectful and we have a little bit of decorum when it comes to handling situations in a right and proper way. We don't just blow that stuff off and say, well, it doesn't matter anymore. Well, it does when you love people because it's not about yourself. It's about somebody else. Everybody okay? This goes on to say at the end of verse 5 that love thinks no evil. Thinks no evil. This is interesting. Uh, This word and this phrase, thinks no evil, it's an accounting term that basically uh, means um, to count or reckon, to credit to someone's account. When a person thinks no evil, they are not making a list of all the wrongs done to them. They're not looking at other people, and whenever you see them, you remember. These are all the things that they have done wrong towards my life. I mean, if, if, you, were a, if you were a counselor, maybe some of you are, and someone came to you where, with relational problems, or maybe a, it was a marriage situation, marriage trouble, and they, and they came to you and said, now listen, my wife has... She has just really been acting wrong for a long time. And so I made this list of all the things that she does wrong on a regular basis. And, and so I brought that to you here today. I wanted to share that with you. What would you say to that person? I mean, what would you recommend? You're the counselor now. Would you say, you know, good job. You're respecting yourself and you're sticking up for yourself. And it's good that you have record of these things. That way they can't really get away with it. And you have concrete evidence in case they ever say, well, I didn't do anything wrong. Would that be your advice? <laughs> or would you say, you know what, I have a, just a helpful suggestion. You might just want to burn that. <laughs> Even if some of them are right, you might just want to get rid of the list and make a new list. Make a list of everything they've done right. 
Make a list of everything that they do well. And look at that list. Keep a record of that. So on good occasion, you can bring them up. How would that affect a person's heart? How would that affect the relationship? How many know if we're just trying to be ultra-factual, we could all make lists on each other? And there would be some some elements of truth to some of it because, you know, we're just working on it, aren't we? But it's not necessarily love. And this is how he said love works. It, It thinks no evil. What is God's behavior toward us? Does he have a list? Is he making a list toward us? Well, I read in scriptures like Psalm 103 verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. I'm thankful that when I go to the Father in the name of Jesus, he's not bringing out a list. What is he bringing out? Or what am I bringing up? And he bringing out the blood of Jesus, which was shed for me so I can stand before him just as if I had never done anything wrong. Just as if I was completely sinless, guiltless, shameless, and I belong there. That's how God loves me. That's how the Father loves you, and it's how we should treat one another. Love does not deliberately keep records of wrongs or past mistakes. Whether it's written on paper or just etched in your mind, it's time to erase it. It's time to get rid of it. I know sometimes it's a challenge to totally forget it, but we can choose to forget. We, when, it, when things come to mind, when someone's done us wrong, we can say, but I'm not going to see that person. We make a choice each time. I'm not going to see them in light of their failures, in light of their mistakes towards me. I'm going to wipe the slate clean. Praise God. If you want someone else to do that for you, and you do, suggestion, giddy up, do it for them. He goes on to say, love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. So I'm, I'm thinking, okay, what am I celebrating? What do I get really happy about? Am I, am I excited about, am I overjoyed when, when injustice is done, when, when something uh, something wrong happens to someone else, or maybe in my mind I think, well, they deserve it, and so I'm a little bit feeling good when they get what's coming to them. You know, we might generally not go down that path towards someone we don't know, but what about that person who has really harmed us, who has really mistreated us or done us wrong in the past, and then they, you know, all of a sudden their life goes downhill? Are we a little bit happy? Love's not happy. Here's, what, here's the way love is. Love is seeking that they would get mercy and not judgment. Love is desirous that they would be forgiven and restored and helped and lifted and blessed, even though their actions may have deserved some, some harsh life, some rough living. Yeah? What are we rejoicing over? What are we thrilled about? Uh, when, when someone else gets blessed with something that we wanted, does that produce feelings of joy in us? Woohoo! You got it! Come on! Or is it a little bit stink? Can't believe they got that when I wanted it. Uh, what do you do when you hear bad news about someone who has done you wrong in the past? Uh, what do you do when uh, a person is successful 
and really in some area of life they're competing against you. Maybe in the business world, maybe uh, they're in the same line of work or the, and their business is excelling or you're selling something and they got some really good sales. What goes off on the inside of you when someone else succeeds in an area that might mean they got the sale and you didn't get the sale? What happens inside? See, this is where the love of God has to override our natural calculations because we think, junk, man, I, if they win, I lose. And if, and, if, and if I win, they lose. I'm telling you, in God, you can win and they can win. And so we guard our feelings and our emotions so we don't let ourselves go down this path of rejoicing when someone else suffers, when someone else fails, when someone else is uh, not doing well. And, and this is a reality uh, even in church circles. Listen, I have lots of pastor friends and, and uh, it's, a, it's a real um, hindrance sometimes to relationships with ministers because uh, when one church succeeds and grows and increases, do the other pastors rejoice and say, woohoo, that church down there, man, they're doing great. Praise God. Are they going, uh, and they got some of my people. <laughs> and uh, listen, there's a real temptation. You know, a, a friend of mine who, who was talking about this was saying, I want all the churches in my area to grow as long as they stay a little bit smaller than mine. <laughs> And he was, he was joking about it, but he was also, you know, it touches a chord because we all deal with, in some area of our lives, this feeling of, of competition, of doing better than someone else. And we have to, get, when we're yielding to this, we get to the place where we truly and honestly rejoice when someone else is doing well, even if we're not at the moment, even if we're not succeeding, but someone else is. Well, praise God for that. And how many know when we have that heart? Honestly, we're setting our own selves up for success to do well because God can bless that. That's, that's His love working in us. I know in politics these days, there's a lot of, a lot of this stuff going on because, you know, currently a lot of people are being uh, exposed and, and doing a lot of bad things. And the uh, question is, for the believer now, do we rejoice? Even when someone has different ideas and views and, and approaches, do we rejoice when someone else suffers? You know, are we happy when someone else uh, gets exposed? And we got to watch our heart in these matters. Scripture goes on to say, uh, uh, love bears all things. Bears all things. Well, what does that mean? This is an interesting word because it's, it's, the word is like a roof. A, a roof that covers uh, your house or covers your life. When, when someone bears all things, they are like a, a, a covering or a protection to you. All right? Uh, uh, love, it, love is not seeking to expose someone else's flaws. Love is seeking to protect them. It, it's not seeking to expose and reveal, but rather conceal and cover and protect. The devil is an exposer. He wants to embarrass you. He wants to shame you. He wants to take what you've done wrong and make it public. And make, it, uh, and make it known by others. But I find this, the love of God in me compels me to, to deal with people who have made big mistakes in a private way, as much as possible. To deal with those who have, who have done shameful things, but if possible, to bring healing in a private way. 
Not, not to expose their sins, not to embarrass them before all. I don't believe the Holy Spirit is, is seeking to embarrass people. I know sometimes people get, get concerned when we have services and, you know, words of knowledge are flowing freely and, and, you know, a word of knowledge is when the Spirit of God reveals to you something about the present or the past. And, you, and I know as a minister, sometimes I'll know things about people, but I know He's the Spirit of love. And he would never have me to, to show me something so I could embarrass people, someone in front of the rest of the church. And you never need to be concerned that I would do that. All right? If he shows us something, we're always going to deal with it in a, in a way that is, uh, is covering. But I, but I, I know when we, we talk about, about this I- issue of covering, the question arises sometimes, should we expose people for the sake of protecting others? And, it, you know, it's, it's, it's really one of those areas where I've got to judge my own heart and say, is that real? Because I, I know people who have done that. They said, you know, we need, to, we need to expose this person because they're going to hurt other people if we don't do it. Well, is that the motive? Or do you want a little bit of revenge? Is that the motive? Or do you really want them to suffer a little bit because of their mistakes? You know, and I'm not saying there would never be a time where someone could come to you personally and you would say, hey, you might want to stay away from this individual. I would do that with the right heart, with the right motive to save them from someone who might do them harm. But it's another thing if I'm just, in my heart, I'm just seeking to get revenge at someone, to expose their faults and their failures and the things that they have, have done wrong. If, if someone's going to be exposed, I have to ask the question, should it be me that does it? Am I the one that should be talking about it? Everybody okay? Or maybe it's just gossip. I don't know. Maybe I'm yielding to that spirit. Maybe there's an offense within me, and I'm yielding to a critical spirit or an offensive spirit, and that's why I'm saying these things, and that's why I'm, I'm striking out. That's why I'm lashing out at this person or this group. What's the motive? Let's be, let's be stirred and led by love. It'll help us to make some of these decisions. Amen. One of the big things that happens in our day is, uh, and I use this, um, but reviews online. Online reviews on, you know, Google and, and Yelp and Facebook and, and some of these different sites where you can review restaurants and businesses and, and all kinds of things. All, and, and people tell you their experience. And I'm, you know, I'm for that. I use those personally sometimes if I'm traveling or looking for something. What, what do people say about it? Uh, but I also recognize that at times, people are trying to get revenge. And they're not seeking to help. They're not seeking to give an honest evaluation and recommendation or not. They, they had a bad experience somewhere or they were offended with something and they want to punish that, that company, that group, that, that, that merchant. As a, as a, as a believer, I, I, I shouldn't be in the desire to punish people business. I remember there wasn't too long ago, I was, I was looking at a, a Facebook page of a friend who pastors a church. So I looked at their church, and, uh, and I, I don't know what, what, he, what even led me to be there, but then I looked at how poor people were saying about their church. Another, another, not even near us or anything, anywhere around here. Uh, but I was looking, and I'm reading these reviews, and I'm going, ah, yikes. I mean, not only there were a bunch of good ones, but there was some bitterness in there. 
And they start, they were attacking, in this case, the pastor and his wife and, and, and different things and saying things that are personal. I thought, you know what? I know this person. I know them well. These people here do not. And they've made this harsh judgment against them. I th- I, you know, I, I was troubled by it. One, because I know this person. I don't want them to be attacked. But two, I thought, are these people Christians? You know, I mean, are they Christians saying that? And I thought, what if someone who's not a believer you looks at this and they stay away from the service that would have gotten them saved? And I thought, I need to be slow with this. I need to be watchful of my motive and, my, and, and what are the potential outcomes. Because what does love do? Love, again, it bears all things. Everybody okay? It goes on to say here... Uh, that love believes all things. Another way to say this, probably a clearer way, is that love believes the best in every situation. We are to be those who are quick to believe the best um, about people, about motive, instead of being quick to assign a motive. Well, they meant to do that. They meant, to, they meant harm. They meant ill. Well, have you ever said something you wish you would have said different? Have you ever done something that you went after the fact, you looked back and you thought, that was stupid. I shouldn't have done it that way. Uh, You know, it wasn't really your heart. You didn't want to hurt someone. You didn't want to be rude or unmannerly or something. And and you said, if I could do that again, I would sure do that, that different. I think we should give that same benefit to other people. When someone does us wrong or says something, don't be quick to say, yeah, they're evil in their intent. They were, they're just a bad person. How about maybe, you know, I bet they may have said that in a different way or handled that situation different if they could do it again too. I know personally being a, a professional talker, uh, I have to use a lot of words. And there is no doubt that I have at times said things and go, hmm, after the fact. I should have said that this way instead of this way. It would have been more clear, more understood. My heart could have been revealed. And I hope they don't take that wrong. And sometimes people do. You know, but it's out there. What do you do? Everybody okay? Let's not assume the worst. Uh, Romans 16, 19 says, but I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. Be wise in what is good, simple concerning me. We're not, we're not to be experts in sin, <laughs> experts in evil. Well, I'm good at finding fault with people. That's my gift. <laughs> Dude, that's not a gift. That's called your flesh. And you, <laughs> you are a selfish person. And uh, no, I don't, I don't want to be an expert in evil. I want to be expert in, in, in what is good. I, I, a friend recently told me he, he was having a conversation with another person. My, uh, this friend of mine is a pastor, and he was talking to another guy who's also a believer from a, uh, I don't know, a different vein in the body of Christ, different group. And they were, uh, I guess, discussing, this guy was asking him about what he believed about things. And, and, uh, and he said, it, it seems to be that probably the biggest difference between me and you is, is, is you believe in, in this prosperity stuff. And uh, my friend said, yeah, I believe in prosperity. You don't? The guy said, no, I, we don't. I don't believe in that. He said, okay. You know, he, my friend's not wanting to make an issue of anything. And, the guys, and then the, they ended up uh, saying, hey, what are you doing for lunch? 
said, let's go grab some lunch. She said, cool, let's go get some lunch. He jumps in. My friend jumps in the guy's car with him, and he said it was, he gave me the, the model. It was, uh, I, I might get it wrong if I said, but it was, it was a BMW something, 650 something. It was worth about $100,000. And he get, my friend gets in the guy's car. He said, so you don't believe in prosperity, huh? Nope. He said, oh, I'm going to not believe in it like you. <laughs> The reason I brought that up is one, because I thought it was funny, uh, uh, is two, because it, we get in this situation, instead of believing the best, people are quick to believe the worst, and they assume. And this especially happens when, uh, whenever uh, people in the world, and sometimes very religious people in the church, they see someone who's a, a minister, a pastor, or an evangelist, or a minister of some kind, and they're blessed with some natural stuff. Some, maybe a vehicle or something like that, and they see that, and they start to assign motive. They start to assume, uh, they're taking advantage of people. They start to make these assumptions, uh, they're stealing from the poor, probably. <laughs> and do, do they know that? No, they don't have any clue. Have no idea what the backstory. They don't have no idea how, how if that's the Lord blessing them or what. See, but the love of God will keep us out of that, that harsh judgment. It really will. And we'll be better off. Scripture goes on to say that love hopes all things. Hopes, what's that? That's an expectation of good things to come. What do you think about those in your family? I mean, you know, that that one. What do you think about that, that person you work with? Well, what does love do? It has an expectation for things to get better. Well, they're acting, they're playing a fool right now, they're acting this way, but love expects good things to come. It hopes all things. It anticipates the best in others and the best for others. It says love endures all things. Endure, that's a good word. See, this is a person who's under the heavy weight of some type of struggle or burden, but yet because of this love working in them, they refuse to, dis- to surrender to defeat. They know that they're in their place, and they say, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit because love endures all things. It never quits, surrenders, never gives up. It is committed to stay and work out a situation regardless of how long it takes or regardless of how much it costs. That's the love of God compelling us. Have you ever heard uh, some of the stories about Smith Wigglesworth? He was a great man of God, mightily used to impact many, many lives. But you know, if you back up before his public and outstanding world-renowned ministry, you find that he was married, his wife was a believer, and he was a jerk. He was not even kind. And before he came to the Lord and got right with God, there was this wife. And some of you may have this same story. But there was this wife who was praying, who was being an example of love. And what happened was, uh, here's some of the story. You can read about these. But she's a believer, so sometimes during the evening, she's going out to services and going out to Bible studies and things like that. And he would stay home and be annoyed with her. And so she'd go out to these Bible studies, and she'd come home, and the door was locked. He'd lock her out. Lock her out of the house. So she'd, she'd uh, curl up there on the doorstep and stay there all night. In the morning, 
He come open the door. She falls in. Gets up and says, good morning, Smith. What would you like for breakfast? <laughs> what was the result of that? Here was the result of it. He got saved. Here was the result. He became a great man of God and did tremendous things. When there's no doubt that we could make the case that she, should have, she could have stood up and said, I don't have to put up with this. This is abuse. This is whatever. I am out of here. And would have had a train of support behind her saying, you go, girl. You get out of that situation. She could have done that and would have had, a lot, had lots of support. But she didn't. And I'm not implying at all that what he did was okay. It wasn't. But she endured. This was the love of God in action compelling her. And look at the outcome. And how many of us say sometimes, well, I don't have to deal with this. I don't have to put up with this. The way they treat me is not okay. You might be right, but what are you going to do? And if someone will believe in and yield to this enduring love of God, what is the potential outcome of a situation? It might change and you might soon be married to world-renowned, <laughs> world-changing, used of God, someone who would look back at themselves and say, I can't believe I used to act that way. Can't believe I used to do that. I mean, how many stories would we have even in here of people looking back and saying, I can't believe I used to treat people the way I used to treat them. Man, I, I can't believe I used to treat my wife, my husband, the way I used to. I'm so thankful that he, that he forgave me and changed me and made me new. I'm telling you, the love of God is so very powerful. And it's at times will defy logic. And your brain will go, don't do that. You, you don't have to put up with that. You don't have to. Okay, you don't. You might be right. But the love of God in you will say something different. The love of God will compel you to act in ways at times that makes it look like people are taking advantage of you, and maybe they are. But love in the end will win. Amen. Scripture goes on to say here that love never fails. Love never fails. The word, it means to drop away. It means to be driven off of one's course, out of one's course. It means to be cast or fail or fall away, to take none effect. The love of God really does work. It got me to give my life to Him. It got me to follow His plan for my life. What might the love of God in you do towards people that you come in contact with? What direction might they be going until they encounter the very genuine love of God in you towards them? Might it alter the entire course of somebody else's life? And I'm telling you over and over and over and over again, that is the case. When I yield to His love instead of, I'm going to get you back. I'm going to expose you. I'm going to whatever. No, I'm going to love you the way He loved me. That's what changes lives. Amen. Now listen, I do not mean... That those who have the love of God are, are a doormat in life. And we just, we have no spine and no commitment and no standards. And we're just walked over by everyone. That's not an accurate picture of God's love either. 
Sometimes the love of God needs to stand up and say, absolutely not. This is not the way it's going to be. Okay? Love is strong. And love will do the right thing. It doesn't mean we embrace and all activities and manners of life and how anyone wants to live. And, and we just say, well, it's all wonderful. It's all equal. We just accept everything and everybody. No, that's not love. That's watered down, mishy, mashy, sli- you know, slippery grace. And, and No, 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 no. The love of God is based in truth. And so when we get it, we can see what this, uh, how this is to respond to different situations. Praise God. Love doesn't do everything everyone demands of you. Well, people are putting demands on me. I just have to do it to be in love. No, no, that's not an accurate description of, of what love is. But it is true that this is the case. Romans 13.10 says, love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Love does what? It doesn't hurt anybody. We're not doing harm to any one neighbor or a nearby person, anyone who's close to us. We're not going to do them harm. We're going to ask ourselves the question. You know, sometimes people will say, well, what would Jesus do? That's a good question. Here's another way to say it. What would love do? What would love do in this circumstance? What would love do in this situation? If love is my, my standard, my rule, my motivator, then how will I act in this situation? And that, so many times, will give us the right answer. Amen. Or maybe I could say all the time. That will give us the right answer. Because God is love. Amen.